episode three of the Avatar Hour podcast, the show where we discuss all things Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we're going to be recapping and discussing episode one, The Boy in the Iceberg, and episode two, The Avatar Returns. Before we dive into the episode, though, we do want to let you know that this podcast will be discussing full spoilers for both The Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. However, you are free from spoilers regarding any Avatar Universe comic books and also the Rise of Kiyoshi and Shadow of Kiyoshi books. So, Andre, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I um This week, I ordered my first um, digital art tablet, and I've been having a grand old time um, drawing memes and emojis. <laughs> oh my god, you have to send me some of the things that you've done. It sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I've been meaning to get into digital art for a while now, so I figured out now is the time after, you know, graduating college and all that. So, yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. Today, um, I went on a bike ride with my brother, sister, and dad, and uh, we went through a tunnel, and I was singing a secret tunnel the entire way through, just so you know. Of course. Um, I promise my mind's not always on Avatar and Korra, but today it was um so actually while i was driving back because we were were not driving we were riding our bikes back and i was riding with my dad's girlfriend and we were and i she had never seen legend of course she'd never seen avatar she the only thing she knows about is what i've told her about it because i'm a huge nerd and i talk about everything um Mm -hmm. and we were talking i was explaining legend of Korra and like how much it means to me and but i had a bit of an epiphany about the show and how important it is and why it's a good show to watch right now um, but again, that'll be discussed during the next episode, which is going to be a very interesting one for sure. Um, but yeah, like it was just, it was just a very interesting way of thinking about the show that I'd never thought about it that way before. It's definitely, it's cool to see how interesting. the things have lined up with like these shows coming back into popularity during mm-hmm. this time that we're living in right now. We'll get into it more, but I'm very excited to discuss for sure. the next recording for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, before we go into uh, discussing the episode, we have two fun things that happened over the week. Um, First of all, we have our first iTunes review, five stars, by the way. Thank you so much. This is um, from Nello316. And they write, I'm one of the admins for the Order of the White Lotus group, dot, 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 love the podcast. Thank you. You guys brought up some interesting things. Looking forward to the next episode. Maybe discuss the new Kyoshi novels and how their tone can be adapted to the new live action series and how they expanded the lore of the avatars and your general thoughts on them. Yes. So regarding the Kyoshi novels, the reason that we put it in our uh, spoiler disclaimer that we're not going to be spoiling is because we haven't read them. Um, and we're, and right now it's not set in stone, but right now we are saving all of the supplementary material. So the comic books and both of those Kiyoshi novels for after we recap both Avatar, The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Of course, that could change. Anything could change at any moment. But for right now, I think that's our plan. Right, Kayla? Absolutely. Um, couldn't say it better myself. (laughs) Yeah. And um, we also got a plug on Twitter from Bad Dad's Film Review Podcast. Um, They gave us a nice little plug on Twitter. And I want to give them a shout out in return. I listened to one of their episodes today while I was driving to get some groceries. And they're actually really funny. It's just a bunch of like British dads talking about movies. And it's really wholesome. So I would definitely go check them out if you're into that for sure. Thank you guys for the for the shout out. 
Yeah, thank you so much. We're so excited to see, um, you know, the uptick in followers, um, you know, the likes, the retweets, we see them. Uh, we always appreciate them. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to see other people out there that, you know, have as much love for this show as we do. Yeah. And for a podcast that is, is solely fandom based, we love interacting with you guys on social media. Absolutely. So if you got any like good memes or uh, oh, interesting send them takes, our way. like send them yes. our way. We have it. We have a Gmail. It's the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com. If you got uh, an interesting take on the show you want to share or some comments, and of course, leave a review uh, like we did on iTunes. You know, we'll read reviews. We're always excited to hear from all of you, and we always are looking for a way to the pod- for the podcast to improve, and we're just excited to hear feedback, any feedback. Just don't yeah. be mean. <laughs> Keep it civil. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. So let's get into the meat and bones of this podcast or the meat and potatoes. I can't think anymore. It's too late at night for me. <laughs> meat and bones. I was like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> Steak and potatoes, meat and bones. I'm tired, guys. <laughs> anyway, the whole subject of this episode is the first two episodes of the Avatar The Last Airbender series. Um, revisiting the show after not watching it for a little while. Um, years. Was, yeah, years. And it's, it's been, for me, I want to say, I want to say almost five years since I last watched it. And I watched it like really late at night on the Amazon Prime app in my bed in my room. <laughs> I, yeah, same. I mean, I've watched airbender here and there um because i before it was on netflix i owned the or my roommate owned the the full series on a disc set um but we would never put in if we were going to rewatch avatar it was mostly season two season three don't know don't really know why but we never really started from the beginning so watching these first two episodes was crazy because i realized that i had not watched them in a long time and also forgot a lot of things that happened, including the fact that the intro is different from the rest of the series. I don't know. It was it was cool to watch these episodes just with the perspective of where the Avatar fandom is now. Because, you know, it is it is a little emotional watching because, like, this is where it all started. Especially for me because I do remember watching them live back in, all the way back in February 2005. Um, but, yeah, it was it was kind of wild watching these first two episodes. Not going to lie. Absolutely. I mean, like, there were some things that I forgot, like I said, you, that you, I forgot they included, like, um, you know, Aang's first flashback to how he got into the ice. I forgot that that was, like, I thought that that was, like, completely held off until, like, the yeah. storm episode or uh, Same. The, the third one when he visits the Southern Air Temple. But nope, they were not hiding that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So... Getting into the episode, we have this opening with Sokka and Katara. And what I love about how the show opens after like that pretty epic intro, it's just these two people in the boat. Siblings. Siblings. That we don't we don't know for for we don't know until like they actually say brother and sister, but there's there's so much, I'm just gonna say it right now, there's so much character work. And just these few introductory lines that we we get right away, like right off the bat, we get the sense that Sokka is a little bit of a, not a goofball, but like, I think he has a very high image of himself, you know, and we don't really quite know why he has that image just yet. But, you know, he is very almost condescending to his sister and very much like the man must get the food, you know. And meanwhile, Katara is kind of the complete opposite and she kind of just wants to help and take care of him. But 
we the very first bending we see in the show is water bending um and you know obviously because we're starting with with water in the cycle but at first it's described as magic which i think we talked a little bit about in the previous episode how like they don't really refer to it as magic except for in these few instances but it's magic right oh yeah absolutely i mean these are super powered human beings we just don't say that is just too many words uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean, with Katara and one of the first impressions that we get of her, like you said before, is like she is, you know, she's just trying to learn. Um, but it's kind of clear that she's really like a beginner, like a beginner, beginner. But she's picking up on a few things. She's able to levitate the fish inside the water ball that she created, but she doesn't have full control over it, as you can see. And then it gets Sokka all wet and he complains about it. Yeah. And then we get we get into this like Roman Rapids Bush Garden style like <laughs> like boat boat action sequence. I don't really know, but um it sort of results in them getting stranded on on these on these icebergs. And then Katara gets kind of fed up with, with Sokka and calls him sexist, which threw me for a loop when I was watching it. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> this show was not messing around. Good. <laughs> Call it what it is. Yeah. Call it what yeah. it is. Kids, like, you know, like, I mean, you know, representation's gotten a lot better with women and, you know, and girls in cartoons and TV shows and stuff like that. But teaching kids and I mean, even especially boys, too, you know, like, don't behave like that. That's not good. Like, yeah, smart show. Smart show. <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't say that I, I knew what sexism was when I was like eight or whatever I was watching this, but I I think especially where Sokka is in these first couple episodes of season one, it's, it's really important to show, to show kids that especially uh, in two weeks when we're going to talk about the, the Kyoshi warriors. I love everything Sokka in that episode because you don't see that kind of shit in, in kids television, them learning those hard lessons, you know, and it never comes off as like after school, especially, you know what I mean? Like at the end, I mean, like some Avatar episodes kind of end that way. Like, well, now we know the meaning of well, friendship. Also, it's a kids show. Yeah, I know, I know. But I, I no, yeah, I, I applaud the writers for for handling it as as well as they did. I mean, also another thing in that moment, um, you know, when Katara kind of goes off on Sokka, uh, she's powerful. You see, yeah, she's a beginner, yeah. but she's actually kind of powerful, and she doesn't know it. Uh, you know, Sokka kind of sees it a little bit, um, which is really cool to kind of see that that much potential from the get go because we know how good she gets at water bending later, and she becomes a freaking master waterbender before she turns sixteen. You know, like yeah, but what that also achieves just from a, a writing perspective is that 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 sequence of her her yelling and the iceberg kind of splitting in half because of her anger is immediately telling us to the audience that bending is an extension of the person you know like right. it, it becomes an extension of their emotion which we get heavily into especially with zuko's fire bending and how it's fueled by anger and and inner turmoil um this this little sequence even though you might not realize it in in the moment looking 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 at it with the perspective of what I know about bending that's explained in the rest of the show, I think it's really cool that they, they already made that connection that bending is, is a lot more than just a magic trick. It is an extension of that human person. Absolutely. I never thought of it that way before. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's obviously completely intentional. Um so it's 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 an extension but if you don't know how to control it, you don't know how to control it, you it's know. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, exactly. Also, it's just, if Sokka and Katara hadn't fought, we would the Hundred Year War would not have gone the way it did. <laughs> exactly. Destiny man. Um but yeah, so this huge iceberg cracks and here comes the sky portal. And I don't know about you, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, why does that look exactly like the spirit portals we see in Legend of Korra? I, wow, I, ne- I never thought about that. Well, like, I mean, what color were the spirit portals in Korra, though? Because I remember, like, the, I know the last, the, the third one that Korra makes in Republic City in season four um, is, like, a green. Were the ones in, like, the, I'm, I'm literally on season two of Korra right now. How do I not remember this? It's it's less the color and, and just the <laughs> the way it was animated. Like, the, the way it shoots up into the sky and sort of, like, spreads out. I don't know. It just, for me, it was just, like, that's a that it looks exactly like a spirit portal. I don't know. So, but we're 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 meant to assume that that is a huge concentration of spiritual energy, right? And it and it also disappears when Aang comes out and he sort of deactivates from the avatar state as well. So, I don't know. I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. But this is also where we first meet Zuko. And needless to say, it's interesting to watch him pre-redemption arc. Because he feels like such such a completely different character, but with the knowledge of what you know from the show, you know exactly how he got there. And Uncle Iroh, too, is just like, I don't know what you're meant to take away from Uncle Iroh at the beginning, because he is simultaneously his mentor, but also kind of like, I could chill out on these icebergs like for years and be completely fine as long as I got my tea. And I and that's a that's goals <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, that's he's kind of like you can see that he's done with Zuko's shit. Uh, he's done with Zuko. You know, he's kind of done a little bit with Zuko's determination a little bit. You can kind of tell they've been traveling together for a while. But at the same time, like, his his kindness kind of shows through. And, like, but also his power, too. Like, you... you and his patience. And his patience. Absolutely his patience. I don't know. Like, knowing what we know after watching the show, you know, how long they've been out doing this... Um, is even a fan theory that suggests that Iroh kind of purposefully delayed things with Zuko's search of the Avatar so he'd eventually realize that, you know... Oh, totally. He was on a wild goose chase. And looking at it now, I can see it. Yeah, I think that's less of a theory and more of an actual proven canon thing. It's never outright said, but, like, there are multiple times where Iroh tries to get Zuko to come off the scent and just live another life, hence the... The, the Jasmine Tea Shop in, in season two in Bossing Say. I mean, there is a there is a couple episodes there where you're like, they really have given up and are just trying to live a good life. I don't think that's a theory. I think the show is blatantly saying like Iroh is trying to put him off the scent. But if you notice, I'm jumping forward a little bit, but when they do have Aang in their sights, Iroh is helping him the whole whole time. You know, he's still trying to help him. But if he had the choice... I don't know. I feel like I feel like Iroh is, is really just trying to convince Zuko to give up in a sense, but for his own good, you know. Absolutely, and um, you know, like with Iroh, I mean, like I said before, that kind of like a uh, thought that you know Iroh was purposefully delaying trying to get Zuko off the scent, like you said. 
it's evident from the first interaction we have of Zuko and Iroh. He's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to miss the, I'm, he's like, he's like, you know, like, uncle, do you know what that means? He's like, yeah, I'm going to miss playing the rest of this game. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, knowing what we know now about these characters, it's evident from the get go. It's, this show does such a good job of introducing their characters, which we will get more into that later. But, you know, it's just one of the many examples of how good that is. Yeah. And I think, I think Iroh toes the line between, not discouraging Zuko, like he is there for Zuko's quest when he needs to be. And that scene that later intersects with him teaching Zuko the firebending sets, he's making sure that if he is going to come up against the Avatar, which to them they think is a hundred-year-old master of all four elements, he needs to learn the the complete set of firebending. And so, like, there is a there is a duality to Iroh and being like. I would much rather us just like find another life. But if it makes him happy <laughs> to taste this kid, I guess I'll help him, you know? Yeah. But I think even the whole time, I think Ira already knows that what exactly happens in season three when Zuko goes back and he is still unfulfilled. I think Ira knows that from, from the get go, that that's what's going to happen if they do capture the avatar. Well, Aang comes out of the iceberg. We haven't talked about that yet. And what has like kind of like his first words. Right. Will you go penguin sledding with me? That's literally one of his first words that he says. Which is a great subversion of expectation because everything leading up to that, epic. you're like, oh my God, that's like this mythic, epic person. Like, what is this superhero like? And then like, you know, do you want to go penguin sledding? I mean, he's a kid, you know? But I think it's a that's a great subversion of expectation because everything leading up to that is meant to, to, you know, imply that he's this amazing, powerful character, which... He is. He will be. We don't know yet, but, um, but yeah, he's 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 really just a kid, and I I from the get go with just like the the way that Aang is animated and the the very youthful way he air bends around. Like I I think there is so much storytelling happening in that animation, and this is true for both series. There is so much storytelling in those in those animations in the way that Aang carries himself, and after he's sort of like you know, says that line, we don't really know what to make of him at first. Cause it's like, first of all, where did this kid come from? <laughs> why was he frozen in a block of ice? And why were his eyes glowing? We don't know anything about this yet. So I thought, I think it's really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, like we discussed before we recorded this episode, there's a lot of what makes this pilot so good is that it, it gives you, it gives you some answers, a little bit of world building, but it leaves a lot of things open-ended. And that was what keeps us watching every week because we want to know more about this world. We want to know more about the people in it. We want to know more about bending. We want to know more about what the Avatar really means, you know? It's fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we get our, after that, we get our first introduction to Appa. Love him. Um, But he's a little tired, so they're not flying just yet. Um, They're sort of floating back home on, on Appa. And we get this dream sequence from Aang that we apparently both forgot that happened in this episode that we see him and him and Appa sort of how they got into that iceberg in the first place. And again, it's exactly what you were talking about with writing this pilot. There are so many mystery boxes that are created in this episode. How did that, how did Aang find himself in that situation? What, what is, what is up with the glowing? Like how did he create that giant iceberg around them? We don't know. And I think it's, it's planning this information so that we already have an answer. It's like we don't really know what to ask yet, if that makes sense. Like, 
I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what I don't know. And I have to applaud the writers for trusting their audience not to be confused or anything. Because these moments happen very briefly through the episode. They don't they don't spend a whole lot of time, which is why I think it works. But they really trusted their their audience, which was mainly children, to kind of be like, oh yeah, cool. I'm sure we'll we'll figure that out some other time, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So they they wake up in the the Southern Water Tribe, and I'm confused because is this supposed to be just one tribe in the South Pole, or is this it? Like, is this the Southern Water Tribe? It feels like that's. I think that's supposed to be like it. But also, we kind of have a hard time de- like uh, judging the scale of how big some of these tribes are how big some of these nations really are um especially from the tribes the water tribes yeah from what i saw there's like 20 people in this tribe yeah i don't remember them being that small either so like i mean i know i know all the men left i i don't know like from i'm i'm like relating it back to what we see in season two of cora where they're they have that giant festival in the southern water tribe so i mean i guess they could have grown between the time gap but also this other water tribe we see in season one of Korra is similarly small it's very you know so I don't I don't really know that the wording is kind of weird we also know that well Katara one is the la is the only waterbender in the tribe so you know that something happened well she says in the south pole sorry in the yeah in the south pole the yeah. south so that's I guess yeah but she's like still the only like waterbender around you as far clearly as she knows. Know, as far as she knows. But, the you know, we don't know exactly. Well, we, we know something happened. Besides, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of got the feeling that something else happened, which there was something else that happened. That's what led that you find out more about that in season three. Was mm-hmm. No, season two, was it? When was the bloodbending episode? Season three. Se- season three? That's right. I remember. Yeah. You can kind of tell what season you're on based on what style Katara's hair is in. Long-haired Katara, season three. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay, that was season three. So the bloodbending episode, you learn about, like, the waterbenders that were taken from the tribe. So mm-hmm. that also is probably one of the reasons why the tribe was so depleted, because it was not just the men that went off to fight. It was also the men and women who were waterbenders who were taken by the Fire Nation. So there yeah. we go. There's your answer a little bit. But, yeah, I thought it was a lot bigger, a little bit bigger than it yeah. actually was. And like I said, I know I know all the men left, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like, oh, my God, this is this is it. And I, I think we are supposed to imply, like, yeah, like you said, like, there used to be a lot more, but um, kind of all got kidnapped by the Fire Nation or otherwise murdered. But this is where we start to sort of see Sokka and Katara's roles in the village. And Sokka really is meant to be the warrior of the village. You know, he was kind of, I can't remember if they say it specifically in the episode, but, I mean, Sokka was left mainly to protect the village. And I think... Sokka really grapples with that responsibility, I think, in a very, I mean, it's a lot of pressure to put on a 15-year-old to to guard an entire village. There's also no other kids his age. He is the oldest boy yeah. in the tribe. Um, I mean, yeah, it's played for laughs with the training thing and, you know, the training, I say that with air quotes, I should say, like, at Sokka attempting to train these little boys to be fighters, like, it's played for laughs, but I'm, like, thinking, but, like, I'm watching this now, and, yeah, it's still a little funny watching, you know, Sokka struggle a little bit with this, and the kid's like, I gotta go pee. Like, there were some funny yeah. moments in that, but, like, I'm thinking about it again, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. 
imagine if Aang hadn't come back, would he would have like had to have led these boys to fight? Really? Like, I don't know. I'm just I don't thinking... know. I feel like it would have been a matter of time before a Fire Nation Navy ship found their way to the Southern Water Tribe. I don't know. I don't know. These are all little kids who don't really have a grasp of war. Unfortunately, Sokka has a bit of a better grasp of it than they do. Not as much as he would if he, you know, as he does later in the series. But yeah, I don't but know. I think I think we see we see Katara also grapple with the responsibility of kind of being the caretaker. I mean, she's obviously not the only woman there. But I mean, like they say in the very beginning of the episode where she's like, I take care of the village. Like I wash your dirty laundry. Like she really has stepped into the the motherly role. You also learn that like later in season two that she was also kind of a midwife in training too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's that too. That also kind of grown up role for like a, how old is she? Is she like 13, 14 right now? Four, 14, 14 or 15. Okay. So she's like 14 years old right now and already helping to deliver babies. That's another one of her jobs yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, and I think like I don't think it really prepares them for what they're gonna have to do in the next in these next three seasons. But I think it's it. Oh, absolutely! I not. think it definitely informs a lot of what their character actions come from, like where all of that comes from in these in these later seasons. So then we get some penguin sledding action with uh, Katara and Aang, and I loved this because that scene is like the epitome of Avatar, where, where the the lighthearted joy comes from. Um, it's just this complete innocence, but no, I love, I just loved it was, it was a classic and the music as well. It was just a classic sort of lighthearted avatar scene. And the first scene where Katara teaches Aang too. There is some foreshadowing there for sure. Yeah. And then they stumble on this, this Fire Nation ship that's trapped in this ice. And I know they're kids, but like 10 year old me would have been like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> like, Big scary shit. I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't even go into the freaking haunted mansion when I was well, like same, ten. So same. I would not <laughs> step within like a a twenty foot radius of a house on the street that looked vaguely haunted. Remotely yeah. scary. Oh, these no, kids love you. their adventure. Clearly, clearly. Well, then, like, also one of the questions that I've asked, like, you know, I kind of had while watching this. Why is there booby traps on an abandoned Fire Nation ship? Like, why would a tripwire trigger a distress call? Wouldn't there be buttons for that? I mean, could you imagine you just be like regular, like John from the Fire Nation working on a ship, and all of a sudden you trip and you know you trip over like the freaking tripwire, and all of a sudden the distress flare goes up when everything's fine? Like, <laughs> I mean, like maybe you know if they keep the ships in the dock, I guess it's to prevent people from raiding those ships and taking all of the weapons. Okay, that makes more so sense. So I don't know. I don't know why they would still be active. We don't really know how long it's been there either. Presumably more than 50 years, yeah. right? Or at least 50 okay. years? No more than? I don't know. But it's been there a while, we know. And this is where we get the conversation where Katara's like, you're 112 years old. And this is, again, great work of the animation to see Aang realize but not fully process just yet what it means that he's he's been out of commission for 100 years, which exactly. for a 12-year-old would be extremely hard to even understand or conceptualize how long that actually means. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like the narrative doesn't allow Aang a break and doesn't allow the audience a break to really process what exactly that means either. So Yeah, and this is coming from an entire episode of of us getting hints that Aang might be this avatar. And I and this is 
so interesting that him as a protagonist, he doesn't want to be the protagonist. He doesn't want to be the lead of this story if we're taking it like another step here. Cause he really, I think he really does see being the avatar as a burden that he didn't ask for. We, we know very little about how other nations select their avatar, but at least for Roku, they waited until he was 16. I mean, like being 12 and being told that you're basically uh, this huge world leader essentially is what the avatar is. Cora found out when she was like six or something, you know? Yeah, they but Cora wanted that. That's the that's the difference. She wanted yeah. that. But Aang, he's like, no, I just want to be a kid. And right there, that conflict of him not wanting to be this this figure, I think is is we're getting into so many layers of just great storytelling. This is just the first episode. Yeah, we're just like touch. You're just barely scratching we're the surface. We're barely scratching like, the surface. Just, like, and we're already like just going off into the next thing, you know, just because, you know, we know how good it gets from here. Yeah. Which is amazing. So the signal goes up. Zuko has said, I found the Avatar. He didn't say in a British accent. I don't know yeah. why I said it in a British accent. I was going to say that. I was like, why is he British? <laughs> I found the Avatar. And then to be continued. Yeah, so that's episode one. We're going to go into episode two. But before we do that, we have a quick ad read for you. We'll see you after the break. And welcome back to the Avatar Hour. We just finished recapping the first ever episode of the series with The Boy in the Iceberg. And now we're going to recap The Avatar Returns. Episode two. Spooky. Uh, Zuko arrives in the Southern Water Tribe. Uh, It's kind of, not going to lie, kind of reminds me of um, when the the warship actually breaks in you can see like the vibrations in the ice mm-hmm. and things start breaking and stuff like you feel the magnitude of the ship before it even arrives yeah and also the the scale of of the ship with the tiny tiny village scary it's terrifying but i love this this montage we get with um zuko and sokka sort of preparing i don't i don't really understand the parallel or i guess why they did this apart from the fact that it's that it's just sort of tension building but like for i'm looking like for i'm searching for like a character reason like is the show trying to say something here like what do you think i think personally where they are right now in their character arcs they're both you know young people who've kind of been handed a lot of you know, responsibility and a lot of trauma. And, you know, I mean, obviously their relationship with their dads are a lot different, but they both have expectations left behind by their dads who aren't really around, Mm. you know, at this point. So that's where I can see the parallels from and both having to put on this tough warrior facade like they're doing right now. Zuko puts on the helmet, uh, you know, Sokka puts on the face paint. They both, you know, kind of have to hide behind this tough facade but really have a lot going on underneath it so i can see i mean maybe i'm grasping at straws but personally i can see the parallels between the two yeah well maybe taking a step further i mean maybe it's saying like both of them are are putting on this facade they're pretending to be people that they aren't because i mean they're pretending to be adults yeah yeah exactly yeah but i think it's more obvious for Sokka that this is not his strong suit, like it, he comes off a little bit pathetic once Zuko does arrive. But what we know of Zuko after the show, I think Zuko really it, he is putting on this this front of of this of what he knows of how to lead this thing, and I think he might be taking some some notes from how Ozai sort of 
commands himself. So yeah, I could see that. They're, I think they're supposed to be, you know, they're really both putting on this front armor. Yeah, this armor and exactly. Yeah, literally, literally, and figuratively. Yeah. Suzuko arrives in the water tribe. It's scary. Sokka tries to fight the ship. Obviously, doesn't work. Sokka tries to fight Suzuko twice. Uh, doesn't really work that well. However, the, he does get one lick in with the boomerang and, you know, Zuko Trusty gets, boomerang. Trusty boomerang. You always come back. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. And it's great. It's a very funny moment. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but actually, you can also kind of see with Zuko's fighting how good of a fighter he is without his bending. He doesn't need his bending yeah. to be a decent fighter. And we know more about that later with, the, like, the blue spirit as well. Mm-hmm. Manages to turn Sokka's spear into splinters. <laughs> without having to use fire for it. Yeah, I, well, I think it's like he's not even worth it. He's not even worth the energy it would take for me to create that fire. Like, it's just boop, 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 he's out. Exactly. You know? Um, And also, I kind of see, like, also with Zuko and his firebending, with how he approaches the village with his firebending, he only uses it to scare them. He doesn't actually hurt anybody in the village. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not assuming that all Fire Nation generals or soldiers are all people are all, like, you know, murderers and want to kill everyone that they try to conquest but i don't know i feel like something i noticed about how he used it just as a scare tactic he just blows some fire in the air and it's enough to scare people with it yeah i don't think zuko ever creates collateral damage if he doesn't need to exactly which is interesting for for him because from what we know of him now him as a villain just getting what he wants and also he promises as long as Aang comes with him that he won't come back and, and terrorize this village so exactly. I think I think that is that is a subconscious effort on Zuko's part to re, to retain some sort of honor there. Take a shot every time someone says honor, but it's true though. Like yeah. even like he is trying to regain his honor by getting his dad's you know attention and praise, but also like his honor is a little bit like also just being a I don't want to say honor again, but being a decent as decent as one can be when also being a colonizer. <laughs> There you go. So, um, you know, Aang, he looks back, he sees how scared everyone is, and he's like, look, like this can all be just over if you just let me, you know, I'll go with you, you know, I won't fight. And Zuko honors that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, how many Fire Nation, like, people in the military would have done that? I think I think from from what we know about what happened with Katara's mother, I mean, Sokka says, like, as soon as they, they thought that they had killed the last waterbender, they just left. You know, they're, they're really kind of there. They got one mission. And as long as that's achieved, they're not they're not going to, you know, come back or anything. And so we get uh, Zuko and Aang on the ship. Um, there's actually a post that I thought was really interesting. My brother actually sent me literally right before I went upstairs to record, if you don't mind me oh, yeah. sharing it. Because it's actually a specific moment that... Uh, so Zuko goes up to Aang and is like, you know... Oh, it's so like, you know, this is your staff. Like, this is going to be a great gift for my dad. And by the way, you don't know anything about dads because, you know, you're raised by monks. Um, and so my brother sent me this post about it. Like, he says that I suppose you wouldn't know much about fathers being raised by monks. Um, this person commented on Tumblr saying, I feel like this is brilliant foreshadowing because eventually you see how much monk Yatso loved Aang like a son. And then you learned how bad of a father Ozai is. Well, also, we don't know... We don't know where Aang's parents factor into all of that. Like no, we only know much about Aang's parents. We don't know but that we do story know about at his all. Father, but we do know about his, his father figure, and that's Monkey Yatso, who we kind of yeah. meet in the next episode. 
I wonder if they get into that in the comic books at all. People, maybe it, it is, and like people in the comic who have read the comic books are listening and just like screaming at us right now. So then we get, you know, um, Ank escapes. Like, Lily, like, just blows him and the guard behind him, like, just down the hallway, just yeets him down the hallway. Which I think is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I think that's, I think that is so cool. Absolutely. We don't know what, at this point, what those airbending tattoos mean, but I mean, this is a master of airbending at 12 mm-hmm. years old. I don't know. There, this this is the best example of, of bending being an extension of the person. This is just so easy for him to take out these fully grown adults. And also when he gets into that, that room with Zuko and that first real show of bending combat, I think is so great. And what I loved and noticed is that the, the pacing of these fights are established in this episode and really either stay or improve as the show goes on. You know, the bending never never felt like, oh, it's their second episode, they're still getting the hang of it. No, it was it had the perfect amount of intensity and pacing, and I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And it's, Absolutely. it's also animated in a way where you get the sense that air and fire have very different techniques for bending, and the way that, that it, it's... Mm-hmm. that the, the way the element is used is it is very very different which is a small detail that i love about the show and that always stays consistent no matter what yeah and then we get um well then katara and Sokka show up yeah after after trying to run away and getting caught by grand grand but grant we haven't even talked about grand grand it's a version of expectations though Katara thinks that Sokka's not going to, you know, allow her to go save Aang. Yeah. And then they think that, and then like, you th- and then Grand Grand shows up, we think that she's going to be like, oh my God, what are you kids doing? But then she's like, hey, you, get, you forgot something. She brings in like supplies. Which I love because I love when, when like in kid shows or shows with, with younger kids, I love when, when the adults are involved in the, in the narrative in a way that it's not like, oh, those parents are always getting in the way, you know, like they're they realize that that there is a some destiny happening here and the fact that the avatar showed up in their tribe and you know Katar and Sokka want to go help him like that's that's so many signs to Grand Grand right there right then and there so I and she flat out says like he is basically our only hope you know Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and then um you know Katara has a little bit a little taste of fighting for herself. I mean, she accidentally freezes Sokka, but <laughs> yeah, which is plays into that again the the control aspect of of the bending as well. But yeah, when that when the fight sort of um, escalates with with Aang and Zuko on the deck of the ship, and Aang sort of goes over, and he in uh, apparently involuntarily goes into this Avatar state. He almost drowns again. So almost drowns again, and we also see this is the first time he also water bends in the show. That's right. So I don't know, like thinking about it, watching it as a first time viewer, like it says in the intro that only the Avatar can master all four elements, but I don't think it's it that is explicitly said in the in these episodes. But knowing that he's an airbender and also seeing him water bending has got to be pretty cool, you know. Absolutely, and then you kind of see the kind of like the a little taste of like how powerful the Avatar state really is, and then you know as the yeah. show goes on, you start seeing like more and more about how crazy and powerful and cool the Avatar state is, and yeah. kind of scary too. <laughs> but yeah, but even even during that fight, and this is what I love about the fighting is there is still humor underpinning it. 
Oh, absolutely. So even even earlier when Aang is like running through and he finds <laughs> Uncle Iroh asleep and he's like, sorry. And like the, <laughs> the you can see like his mouth like being like stretched. I love little bits like that. And I'm like genuinely laughing as a 22 year old watching Avatar. Like it's just so, again, innocent and, and funny. And I love it. I think one of my favorite like funny moments from this particular episode is when like Katara accidentally freezes Sokka and he's like trying to pry himself free from the ice with this boomerang. And he's like, I didn't ask yeah. for all of this. I didn't ask for all this flying and magic. <laughs> Like, just a guy with a boomerang. boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's an iconic moment right there. You know, yeah. like it's again, it just shows like basically the show is literally like the perfect preview for, you know, some of the amazing things that's to come, but also just kind of sets the ball rolling with the humor and the cool factor. Let's not be, you know, let's not ignore that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they and then they get away. And this this little moment of of Zuko and Iroh. Oh, I don't know if you heard that, but there was just the loudest thunderclap. I did not hear it <laughs> at all. So that's good. <laughs> Might hear it in the in the recording. Um, no, there there's that there's just that moment of of Ira helping Zuko try to take him down, and that's what I was talking about earlier. That he will help if the opportunity is there, but otherwise he could just just kind of want to take take some nap and drink his tea. And honestly, same. I'm here for that. Yeah. So we kind of touched a little bit about this, but like how good the show does introducing its characters, some of the flaws that the characters need to overcome over the course of the series and like a little bit of the awesome world building that goes into this show. And you know why it's awesome is that it's subtle Mm -hmm. and I love it. There's never a point where someone sits down and is like, so the four nations, the earth kingdom, the water tribes, the air nomads and the fire nation. And it just goes on and on and on. And that's what they did in the movie. That's what I was going to say. That's what Um, they do in the movie. (laughs) I haven't seen. Dead ass what they do in the movie. I've seen. And I don't want to get, cause I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we are going to do an episode, but there is a scene in the movie that does not appear in either of these episodes. And it's so baffling to me. There is this scene where, when they finally capture Aang and get him on the ship and we're introduced to, Uncle Iroh in air quotes. And then he says, we have a test to make sure that you are the avatar. And he puts out like they've seen him airbend already, but they got to make sure it's the avatar. So they gave him, they gave him like a big rock that like just a stone that is balanced on the table and they just put it in front of him and he looks at it and the rock starts to jiggle. And that's their, that's their indication that he's an earthbender. And then I I don't know what they do for the other episodes. I think they get given like a jug of water and like it tips over or something. I just find that so hilarious. I wish I wish you guys could see Kayla's face. It's really unfortunate you can't see my facial expressions right now, but trust me. Oh lord. Oh, it's just wild. It's anyway. No, yeah. the The world building works because it is is it's incredibly subtle. They also have a lot of time to do this. Oh yeah. I mean, these are twenty minute episodes. Not really a lot of time, but like. You know, there's going to be more episodes after that are going to build the explanations and stuff like that. And that's what, you know, the movie did not have was time to build on the world building. You have time to flush that out. But I mean, obviously, it's a better way to do it, but with the movies. But um, just, again, the show had time to kind of build its world and build your understanding of this world. Sure. Yeah. And that understanding is 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 incrementally built upon by every episode. And I think that's how world building should should start is incrementally this is why i don't know if anyone here has watched american gods i read the book i watched the first episode of that and there was so much information that i was i was completely lost and i didn't make it past episode one same problem i had with the witcher 
Everyone loved that show. Did you watch that, Kayla? I watched like three episodes of it with my brother, and I had to ask him to explain things because my brother is like, I don't know if you ever played the game, but he's a fan of the Witcher um, like franchise, and I think he's read the first book of it because it's also a book series. I was so confused. Well, also like, when you... <laughs> It's also the time period, because like when you're talking about magical medieval times and you're throwing names around like Elriond and and Gobbledookie, I'm not gonna remember who is who. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's incredibly hard to keep track of that information. And I watch a lot of TV, so I think my attention span is pretty good. But if you've what if you play the video games or you read the books and you enjoyed that, I'm so happy for you. I really wanted to like The Witcher, just didn't. Anyway, we're getting off topic, but. All of that to say, to my point, is that because the world building is is subtle and not in your face, it's a lot easier to digest. So yeah, I think I think like at a very basic telewriting level, it is very it is a very very good pilot. And I do I do count the the second episode as a pilot because they did air them at the same time. So yeah, just just like tens across the board, loved it. Absolutely. Well, also, like, uh, I forgot to mention earlier when we talk about, like, the ending is an extension of yourself and, like, all the subtle, like, things about the characters um, and who they are. You see, I mean, like, you kind of, it's kind of introduced the first kind of philosophy of this world when it comes to the uh, elements and, like, what you learn from them and as well some of their flaws. Like, airbending is the element of freedom, but also they have a tendency to fly away or bounce away or avoid their problems which actually coincidentally i just watched an episode of uh cora where um you know it's tenzin uh kaya and boomy all go looking for iki and um they like and she says like oh typical like kaya says oh typical airbender avoiding tough topics avoiding conversations you know that kind of thing which ang does in these episodes you know i'm just like i'm just like i'm just like I see the parallels. Oh my god! <laughs> like, wow, consistent world building. Wow, who who would have known? Oh my god, never seen that before. <laughs> uh, very sorry, very rarely seen that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you like we said, you definitely see Ang struggle with his avatar status. I mean, especially for a kids show. Just think of this. I mean, like, not say I'm not. I don't mean kids show as a derogatory term or no. way to limit who can watch Avatar, who can enjoy Avatar. Yeah. Just a kids show. But the primary audience is kids. It was aired on Nickelodeon, a kids, a channel meant for kids. But what makes it so good is like, you know, there's things that kids can grasp and also some things that go over their heads. But then we watch it, you know, in our 20s and we see so many things that we catch those things that we missed. It's really for everyone and anyone who wants to watch it. And enjoy yeah, I don't it. I really don't think we give um, kids a lot of credit for what they can understand. I really don't like, and I think that's, that's why, that's why I, I really champion Avatar as a series because it is, it is not afraid to go there with kids. I mean, just look at the next episode we're about to review. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, it is not af- afraid to be like, Hey, we know you're young, but this is a thing and they will get it. You know, they might not get all of it, but they can, they can understand it to a point where they can engage with it. And that's all that matters, you know? And, this is also the thing. Kids know when they're being patronized. They know. They know mm. when they're being talked down to or How condescended do you do, to. Kids? They, exactly. They know exactly when they're being kept out of the loop on things, you know? And I think that's why people really responded to it because they, they really feel like it was a story that they could engage with and not something to put on in the background while they play with their Legos, you know? 
I mean, you can also do that with Avatar. But... Absolutely. I mean, well, when it comes to like moments that stood out to us, uh, which we've talked a lot about, a lot of moments stood out to us, but I wasn't able to talk about this earlier. Um, when there are penguin sledding, Katara says, I haven't done this since I was a kid. And Aang says, you're still a kid. Like... That I did not notice that the first go around when I watched the series. And what like, about that? What about that? Like, why does it stand out to you so much? Do you think? Y- we sometimes forget with all these mature themes and all these things that these characters go through that we forget that they're kids. These are kids, you know, with handling like a lot of adult stuff that they shouldn't have had to deal with. So, like that, just like you know, that that just that stood out to me, and I was like, I had to pause the episode and reflect on what I just watched, <laughs> like. Oh my god, these kids are going to go through so much. They've already been through so much. Yeah. I think I think overall in terms of something that stood out to me is that a lot of the things that are going to be discussed about in future episodes already kind of make their first appearance in these episodes. Especially the thing about Bendy being an extension of the person, how Aang feels about being the avatar, Katara and Sokka's role in the show as as just a, a starter. There's already a lot introduced that is is planting the seeds of stuff that will be discussed later, and I think that's awesome. It's just a strong pilot. Like <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, it's just a really strong pilot. And I have seen com- uh, fully adult shows just squander the pilot. Granted, it is a hard thing to execute right, but Avatar did it fairly More well. More people should study Avatar. Like straight up, like if you're gonna watch it, you know, try to make make a TV pilot or like the first chapter of a book or something like watch avatar it is like it is like a master class of storytelling and world building yeah so we love the pilot clearly uh so before we go we want to share a new segment on the show that we're going to call the fandom corner with the resurgence of popularity in the last airbender and legend of korra with them both being on netflix korra about to be on netflix in a few days there's been an increase in membership in Facebook groups for fans of the show, uh, lots of memes on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Avatar is just about anywhere you look. Um, you don't even have to look hard for it. So we're going to be sharing some posts that we found funny or posts that brought up an interesting point. Um, so this week, uh, this literally, we literally came up with this like today before we recorded. Yeah, so there was a... Uh, post in this Facebook group that I'm a part of that's an Avatar fan group and um, so it was referencing to season two of the show where I think it's called The Serpent's Pass that's the name of the episode mm-hmm. so they run yeah. to um, you know a pregnant woman her husband and um, friend I guess uh, and eventually you know Katara eventually helps like deliver the baby all that good stuff uh, one person wrote, correct me if I'm wrong, but as a waterbender when Yang, that's the woman's name, went into labor, couldn't Katara just bend the baby out with amniotic fluid? I feel like there'd be a lot less painful and pretty easy. Would it be less painful? No! I don't feel like that would be less painful. No! So I commented with like a gif of Han Solo from The Force Awakens. I'm like, that's that's not how birth or waterbending works. I mean, amniotic fluid, I mean, yeah, they call refer to it as your water when your water breaks, but it's not all water. And also, like, no. I <laughs> Yeah, when you sent me that, I don't I had I didn't really know um what to say. Uh <laughs> just that I don't yeah, I don't think that's that would um be a solution and by any means. Um It's not that simple, guys. 
It's not like printing out a paper. It takes time. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a, a solution by by any means. And um, and I love that this is what uh, we are discussing <laughs> as a fandom. Um, I love it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's our that's our first installment of the fandom corner. We're on to a great strong start, guy. Love that. Love that. If you guys see anything that you think is cr- equally as crazy or interesting. Send it our way. We live for that shit. I mean, like, here's what we mean, though, by, like, odd shit. We mean odd shit like that. We also mean, uh, we don't want to hear any of, uh, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I don't want to hear any Katara's a turf type stuff, because apparently that is oh circulating, and I'm gonna throw something into the ocean. I'll drive I've seen the- someone call Aang a domestic abuser because he accidentally firebended Katara. I also called one about, like, you know, Aang, like, you know, because, like, because he kissed Katara, like, without consent or something at one point. But, like. Because he's an abuser. I'm like, oh, my God, guys, words mean things. <laughs> you can't just throw around these words like they don't mean anything. All right. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. So we don't want. we. That's the kind of thing. That's, that's the kind of thing we don't want to hear, though. We want to hear, like, the goofy stuff. Yeah. We want to hear your head cannons. <laughs> we want to hear, like, interesting like and or funny and or heartbreaking head cannons or a funny meme or something that we can discuss because we love the show and we love the fandom too. The fandom is partially what makes the show so amazing is the people who love it. Yeah. So if you guys are, you know, going about your week and you see anything on your socials like that, please send it our way. Um, If you also want to send any suggestions on topics, you want us to talk about on the show or any comments you have on anything we said on any of these episodes, including this one, um, anything you might agree, disagree with, um, you can email us directly at the avatar hour podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to follow us and stay up to date on what we're doing during the week and share your opinions on our fandom polls that I think we're trying to do at least once a week. Um, cause those polls get really good engagement. Um, I think this week we did how people feel about the avatar series on Netflix. Twitter was a little bit excited and anxious. And I think Instagram was a lot more positive about it. They were, I think it was like 80, 20 excited over anxious. So if you want to participate in those polls or you just want to know when new episodes drop, you can follow us on Facebook at the avatar hour podcast, same handle for Instagram at the avatar hour podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at avatar hour. And if you would like to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at Hey, it's underscore Andre. And you can find me at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. And just a little teaser for next episode, we will be talking about some of the controversy surrounding The Legend of Korra as a series. Yes. Um, Since it will be dropping on Netflix in a week from now, actually. Um, Yeah, we're definitely, we're going to be talking about how we feel about the show personally, what it means to us, and sort of talk about the fandom conversation in general and some things that we agree or disagree with people on. I think that I'm very I'm very much looking forward to that episode because I think we both we both have some very strong feelings about Legend of Korra. We just have a lot of feelings, okay? <laughs> like so many feelings. I just think it's neat. <laughs> if I tear if I if I if I get yeah, I I probably will get a little uh over zealous about Korra, but we'll get more into that later as Are you going to get teary-eyed? We Are might. you gonna cry on the podcast like full full ball? I don't know full ball. Uh, that kind of you know full ball kind of does not come easily to me. Last time I cried like That's hard at goal. something. Last time I cried hard at something was the video on YouTube about Jim Henson. 
Okay. Believe it or not, it was it was a really good documentary series by Defunct Land, and I had feelings and I cried. I'm gonna be post. I'm gonna be writing in the doc. What personal trauma can you connect to the Legend of Korra? Dude, I got too many. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> I've got too much. I, I do. Oh, goodness, we'll get more into that later. I'm not trying to spoil all my good thoughts about Korra right now because I have a lot of them, and I want you all to enjoy them in full. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this installment of the Avatar Hour podcast. Uh, Make sure you share the episode if you like it. Review it on iTunes if you listen to it on iTunes. Um, And yeah, awesome. Thank you again for listening. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.